DJ and PK, time to talk jazz basketball with Ben Anderson, jazz writer for KSLSports.com and Utah Jazz Radio studio analyst. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, fellas. So, the Utah Jazz have apparently fixed the bench. They've won six in a row. They've won 11 out of 12. They never would have gone undefeated on this road trip without good bench play. I'm certain the bench saved them in the first game of the road trip against the Bulls. And they obviously had a major contribution in the win as well in New Orleans. So, of all the changes to the bench, which one is going to pay off the most in the long run? Can I say it's the attitude change and not just one player? I mean, I think Jordan Clarkson immediately came in and, and did have the impact, and we see how hot he can get like he did last night in the second quarter. But it seemed like the attitude changed when he got there to where when he wasn't very good in Orlando, Emmanuel Moutier stepped up and had that third quarter and said, hey, this is our job. You know, if, if Jordan Clarkson's not going to do it, I've got to do it. And then, of course, uh, George Niang picked it up in the fourth quarter. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and while – you know, the Jazz have come out and said, you know, Jeff Green wasn't a cancer or anything in the locker room, and, and I've been in that locker room, and it was easy to see that he was very well-liked. I don't know if he brought that energy or that confidence that certainly seems to exist with that group now. And, you know, as you mentioned, they're, they're helping the Jazz win games. They've outscored opposing benches in four straight games, and I, I honestly wonder if they'd outscored opposing benches in four total games but before they made some of these moves. So I, I would say it was probably the attitude that, that has changed the most. Attitude, that's what I'm talking about. The level of confidence right now has to be at a season high, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they've got momentum where they were up, what, eight in the third quarter last night and blew it and were down four after one basket in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. And you thought, you know, in the past, this is where this team has fallen apart or this is where they've lost games. And I don't just mean earlier this year. I mean, in years past, it seems like if the wins would shift that much, the Jazz would lose those games. And they just haven't. They've just found a way now to win those games and to deal with adversity, and it's, it's momentum. It's a belief in what they can do as a roster. I mean, I just think there's a lot going on right with this team, and, and maybe as much as we've seen in, you know, 10 years since Darren Williams was here with this team. So the Jazz are now 24-12. and 12. That is a 55-win pace. Do you think they can keep it up? Probably not quite 55 wins, but but I do think you have to look at it this way. If this had been the Jazz roster and they were playing this well, and then at the trade deadline, Dennis Lindsay went out and acquired Mike Conley from Memphis for the pieces that he did gave up or give up, and, and those players were on this team right now, you'd have to think the Jazz are going for it. I mean, the Jazz are trying to become contenders and, and really have probably put themselves in that conversation if they were to go out and acquire Memphis Mike Conley. Now, with the context we have that he wasn't playing at that level since he's been with the Jazz. We, we maybe dial that back a little bit, but I do think that's where the Jazz are. And, and you know, 55 wins with as much star power as the Jazz have is, is a team that's trying to contend. So maybe they are that good of a team, and may, maybe that is how good they can be, at least play that at that level when they get into the postseason. How surprised are you, Ben, that Bogey is more than just a catch-and-shoot dude? Significantly, I mean, he's just—he's so much more complete as an isolation player, and and you know he still has a really high dribble, and we've seen how often he turns the ball over at the top of the key. But I mean, I, I honestly didn't know, and this was just from from poor research on my part. Just his clutch stats being some of the best in the NBA, and Quinn Snyder's talked about that quite a bit. That 
late in games, he's just nails. It just does not matter who's guarding him or what situation he finds himself in. He just finds a way to make baskets, and he did it last night in the face of Derek Favors, uh, hit that big three, and then hit that runner towards the rim and finished well, even with the hurt wrist. So his ability to show up big in big moments maybe has been what's most surprising. And then just as, as complete as his game is, and that's funny to say in a night where he scored 35 points and didn't grab a rebound and didn't have an assist, but his his overall game is, is certainly far better and far more diverse and more impactful than I think I, the, the Jazz were going to get from Boyan. Now this is as good as Joe Ingles can get. He can't get any better than this. The radio show host blurts out for the fourth straight year. Am I finally going to be right? I, I don't know because he ran point guard for, for the entire fourth quarter last night and was insanely good. It was, I mean, it was just perfect. And the lobs he was throwing to Rudy Gobert. I mean, his last lob that he threw to Rudy with two and a half minutes left. I mean, look, I'm not pretending that I'm, you know, an old guy who's watched a ton of basketball in my life, certainly not going back to the 70s or 80s. But the idea of throwing a lob pass with two and a half minutes left of a one-score game, I mean, 10 years ago was unheard of. And and Joe Ingles, who's the old guy on the team, is so comfortable doing it and so good at doing it that that maybe he is getting better and his understanding of the game continues to get better. And, And maybe he has some of that late career impact that we saw guys like Boris Diaw or Joe Johnson have in a jazz uniform where it doesn't matter if his athleticism slips, he's so smart and so savvy and really so skilled that his ability to impact the game continues to not get better necessarily, but adapt to what the jazz need him to be. So I won't be at all surprised if he keeps adding skills. And then, you know, over his last 30 days, which is what, 15 games or so, shooting 52% from the three-point line. So, you know, if that keeps up, which it probably won't, but he's getting wide open shots. He's going to keep shooting the ball well. So you know how some people say if fill-in-the-blank candidate gets elected president, I'm going to leave the country? They never do, but they always say that every four years or every eight years, whatever it is. I'm going to make this statement. When Conley comes back, if Joel's taken out of the starting lineup, I'm going to leave the country. I don't see how it's possible. I just I don't see any reason that Quinn Snyder would do it. And, and look, Royce O'Neal was good last night you know he, he hit one of his two three-point attempts and he guarded Brandon Ingram and you know Brandon Ingram still went off for 35 points I just don't think the impact Royce O'Neal's had in the starting lineup has gotten anywhere close to what the impact Joe Ingles is having in the starting lineup and now the problem was you had to it felt like you had to have Joe Ingles on the bench because you needed another playmaker well Joe Ingles isn't on the bench right now and it feels like you have enough quality bench players between Jordan Clarkson and Emmanuel Moutier when he has his highs that that you can go there and even Tony Bradley's recent play has been a very big surprise, I think, over the last five games or so. So you don't need Joe Ingles on the bench anymore. And you can put Royce O'Neal there, and you can find ways to get him into the game early and and get plenty of minutes against the opposing team's starting wing star and best scorer. Uh, You can find a way to do that. But no, I don't think there's any way Joe Ingles finds himself back on the bench. I would agree with you about that, and I think that it's clear Royce will be the one coming off the bench, and I don't think Royce, from the comments I've heard, I don't think he really cares one way or another. I don't think it'll impact his production, because I think his minutes will stay in the same ballpark, and his attitude will stay in the same ballpark. So I think his production will, too. I'm more interested in what happens in the last five minutes of a game and who the five guys are who close games, and I'm not convinced that Conley is going to unseat Royce there. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I I don't know how that's going to go, and I don't know if Quinn's going to say, well, Mike, you got to play well enough to make me put you in, or if he's going to put him in and then say, well, you got to play well enough to keep him in because we know what Royce has done. Do you have any feel for how that's going to go? Who's going to be given the benefit of the doubt right out of the gate? 
I would suspect benefit of the doubt has to go back to Mike Conley. And you have Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert. And that, that's the Jazz best lineup. You know, I mean, it's the most talented lineup. It's the most diverse lineup. And, and, and not to slight Royce O'Neal because he's done nothing but overachieve in a Jazz uniform, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell makes a great pass last night with, what, 35 seconds to go, 45 seconds to go, and Royce O'Neal's got a wide-open three-point shot. And if he hits it, the game's over. And he doesn't, and, and it ends up coming down to the last play. And I think you probably have more faith in Mike Conley hitting that shot, even though he doesn't have as good a three-point shooting percentage this year, just based on who he's been in his career, the types of situations he's been in, how, how calm of a character he can be late in those games. That's where I think you have to go back and, and by default, trust Mike Conley. And if it's not working, Quinn Snyder's done radical things this year. I mean, waving Jeff Green is a radical move. Trading Dante Exum, who's you know a Jazz DNA guy, for Jordan Clarkson, who I don't think anyone would have thought is a quote Jazz DNA guy uh, a couple of weeks ago, is a radical move. You know th- th- those things that the Jazz are doing. Benching Ed Davis is a pretty radical move, considering you signed him this offseason, not to huge money, but to one of the higher paid players on your bench. So Quinn's not afraid of doing that this season because I think he knows how good this team can be. So I wouldn't say it's not a possibility that, that the Jazz could close games at some point without Mike Conley, but he, he's good enough and, and a naturally talented and smart player enough. I think it would be hard to, to put him on the bench. So what do you think all this winning means relative to the standings? To the standings? Yeah. I mean, the Jazz are a game back to the second seed, so that, doesn't, that certainly doesn't hurt. And, and I think if you can find yourself in that spot, I mean, look at the West right now. Look, look at... There's six really good teams that are going to make it, assuming Dallas is able to continue to play this way. And, you know, I mean, every night you can check a Mavericks box score, and that's not the best way to watch basketball. But, I mean, Luka Doncic last night had 38 points and 11 rebounds and 10 assists, and nobody cares anymore. I mean, he's in that conversation to be the best young player we've ever seen, along with LeBron. So he's coming into his own, and I don't know if I want to play him seven times in the postseason if I'm an NBA team. So if you can get up to the two seed and you're facing the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's probably a major plus because as good as they are and as talented as they are, they still have flaws in the roster, and I don't know if they have a closer necessarily as good as Chris Paul is. I don't know if he can still do that at this age, and Shea Gildas-Alexander might be too young. And then the eighth seed is just a nightmare. I, I, I mean, it's going to be a team that's five or six games under 500, maybe at best that makes it, and it's the Spurs right now, but it could be the Portland in a, Portland in a couple of weeks, or it could be that uh, New Orleans team that we saw last night if they keep playing well. And look, if they get Zion Williamson back and they have Drew Holiday healthy in the postseason, that's a really dangerous team to play. So I think you want to make sure you get one of those top two seeds because there's a drop-off in the West from six to seven to eight. But, uh, but, but going on this win streak in January, as the Jazz traditionally have, is, is going to be big at the end of the season, and we're going to look back at this as having a major impact on who they are. Joe Ingles came in as an end-of-the-roster guy and has worked his way up. Uh, Royce O'Neal came in as an end-of-the-roster guy and is working his way up. Seems to be on a similar path to Ingles. Now Niang seems to be on a similar path to Royce. Are we going to be saying the same thing about Tony Bradley in a year or two? Uh, I think we're going to be saying the same thing about one of the guys at the end of this bench. And I'm, heard, I, I'm sure you guys have heard the same things I've heard about the Jazz love Jarrell Brantley. They really like Mieoni. They like uh, Rajon Tucker, who they just signed. And of course, Tony Bradley, with how he's playing, is starting to look like a first-round pick. I think the Jazz are confident they've got a good player there. Which of those four guys ends up being a good player? And it's probably going to be one. You're probably hoping to get one Joe Ingles or one Royce O'Neal. You're not going to get four in that group. So 
if those one of those guys can continue to pan out, whether that's Brantley's ability to be a Paul Millsap clone in a couple of years, or if Rajon Tucker can do what we've seen in very small spurts, but it's what he did at the G League, which is attack off the dribble and be freakishly athletic and be really strong and be able to finish at the rim. Can you use that type of player? And can that guy save you $25 million over the next three years because he signed to a non-guaranteed minimum contract? I think that's what the Jazz are hoping. And and I I don't ever see Tony Bradley becoming a starting-level player. I just don't know if he has a a modern enough skill set or elite enough athleticism as a big guy to carve out that role. But if he can turn into Ed Davis with the 27th pick or 28th pick, whatever Tony Bradley was, that's a that's a major plus, and I mean it's already uh, it's already started to pay off this season. And nice for the Jazz to have that insurance when Ed Davis wasn't producing. How much do you have to see these types of wins come against more teams like the Clippers? I, I think that was huge. I, I think that validated everything. And going back to talking about attitude that they had early in this this stretch, I, I think they needed that win for them to believe that okay, we weren't just beating you know the Memphis Grizzlies or some of these low level teams. I think they needed for themselves in that locker room to feel like those wins were legit and those wins were counting against real teams. And those, those carry over. You know, if you can beat the Clippers on the road, you can beat the Pelicans on the road, or you can beat the Chicago Bulls on the road, or you can beat Orlando at Orlando. I, I think that has mattered. Now, the Jazz have six more games against these bad teams, which is pretty incredible. They could really extend this winning streak starting tomorrow night with the Knicks. And then they have three really interesting games uh, in a four-game stretch. They get Indiana here in Salt Lake City. They go to Golden State, which should be a victory. Then they come back and they play the Dallas Mavericks and they play the Houston Rockets. So three or four teams that are firmly going to make the playoffs that are well above 500, that will be a really important stretch for the Jazz. Do they split that? Do they sweep that group? Do they go 3-1? and one? I think that will tell us a lot about what to expect for the rest of the season. So they got six games before the Pacers start that really good stretch here at the end of the month. Do you think they sweep the six and they're sitting on 30 wins and feeling like a million bucks? Uh, I think you've got New Orleans again mm-hmm. on the third game of a three-game yeah. road trip, and you saw how well they played last night. And look, I think New Orleans is going to be polarizing nights, depending on, on which team shows up, because they're so young. You're not going to get them every night playing as well as they did, but they have been playing well lately. I would circle that game as a particularly tough game, just because you played them so recently. It's hard to beat a team twice on the road. It's hard to beat them in that close of proximity. I think I think there's probably room for at least one loss in that group of six and maybe two. But the Jazz are playing this well and shooting as well as they are, and it's not that crazy they're shooting this well because Quinn Snyder's offense does get the best open looks, at least did last season in the NBA, and then they added a bunch of 40% three-point shooters this offseason. I think it's very possible. What the Jazz might do, though, is, is reincorporate Mike Conley, and that just might shake up the chemistry a little bit. I mean, that might just slow the roster down a little bit, and that could result in a loss, even though, of course, it's a, it's a much better addition in the long run. He's Ben Anderson. He's only got about 100 opinions on the Jazz. Hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows with Jake. Thanks for joining us, Ben. We appreciate a few minutes. Thanks, guys.